This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Robert Toll is a business consultant with experience ranging from small startup businesses to multinational organizations. He focuses on providing practical advice to entrepreneurs, and we're going to talk a lot about overcoming obstacles. Robert, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. Um, Obstacles, obstacles. Is that possible? Do people go through obstacles? Uh, no, of course I'm being facetious. We all have obstacles to go through. Sometimes they're they're that annoying pebble in your shoe, and sometimes it's really a big boulder. And we're going to talk about overcoming obstacles. But before we do, how did you get into this whole thing of helping people overcoming obstacles and helping entrepreneurs? Well, it's interesting. It, it was. Uh, it, an unusual evolution, Mark, in that I helped uh, when I was younger, my grandfather with his small business. Uh, he had a shoe store in uh, North Carolina that he started up on his own, and I would help him on holidays. And then worked in small businesses while I went through college. And then when I worked for an international franchise for the first few years, were helping those franchisees in their startup mode. So they were entrepreneurs, although they bought a franchise to have a system to use it. The whole goal was to cut their break-even time, help them achieve financial success, sales success, operations success. And it all became sort of inbred into me, and it became something that I really enjoyed. I moved on in my career to doing other things with uh, larger organizations through the years, but then moved to consulting about eight years ago, working with a wide range of companies from small startups to larger multinational organizations since about 2013. So I sort of re returned back to what I had done much earlier in my career, but with a lot more experience at this point. The people you consult with, what would you say is the number one issue that they're dealing with today? I think the number one issue is how to distinguish what they're good at and running to what they're good at and ignoring the rest or thinking, I'm so good at this, I can ignore it, and focusing on their weaknesses and ignoring their strengths and therefore struggling with the success of their businesses. What's interesting is you brought up strengths and weaknesses. And up until about 10 or 12 years ago, it was drilled into me, focus on your weaknesses, focus on your weaknesses. And then I started hearing the super successful people say, you stay in your zone where you're really good at and you outsource or delegate your weaknesses, it's going to yes. cut down the curve a lot and it's going to cause uh, you to experience a lot less stress. Absolutely. It makes a huge difference. And and there's, you know, the, the only exception I would really draw Mark is let's say you're a fantastic plumber, but you want to open a plumbing business. Your strength is plumbing. It, the temptation is going to be, I'm going to go out on every call to do plumbing and not work on your business to drive it forward. And you could substitute anything from plumbing to air conditioning mechanic to working on cars or whatever you wanted to. So you have to find that right balance with things. But you absolutely can find people to supplement and, and, and cover. I had a boss that used to call everybody had their flat areas. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, instead of being well-rounded, nobody's well-rounded. Everybody has flat areas, so you have to find a way to supplement and help yourself out with that while you comp while you focus on your strengths. And I thought that was pretty insightful. 
Something that a lot of people may not know about the podcast is I do everything with the podcast. And some people may say, well, why don't you outsource that? Well, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't edit the show. Listener may not know that. I don't edit the show. And I always warn my guests, don't say anything on the show you don't want the world to know because I just literally release it the next day or so. And I have been doing it for so long. I can do it so much quicker. Plus, most of my podcasts are released the next day. We're recording this on Thursday, September 2nd. It comes out on Sunday, but that's the biggest gap there is, a two-day gap. Usually, it's the next day. And for me, literally, when we finish recording this, within 45 minutes, I'm completely done. Completely done. And should I outsource it? Probably. But for me, it's like I just check up the tunes and just process it and knock it out. And if you're doing a podcast once a week, maybe you can outsource it. But for me, the people who want to turn it around like the same day, literally that done within hours, they charge a premium for that. And for me, I can't justify that. And, and, and that's balance. And you also are learning and growing and building skills too. And you're able to stay closer to your product for last, lack of a better term. And there's some benefits there too. And, and you can get timeliness out of it. And that's one of the challenges, you know, I'm working with colleagues overseas and that's fantastic if you can get time arbitrage to work for you. But when it doesn't work for you, it's a pain. It gets really difficult because you've got it, you hit the wrong time and suddenly it takes 24 hours when you could have done it in an hour, like you said. And, um, you got to keep those things in, in balance. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Someday I'm going to have a team. And I'm going to be able to tell them I'm going to do like a nine o'clock interview. And the interview says is done at like 10. I want it up and done by midnight that night. And I can let go of the reins. I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, but I also don't like working to midnight. So I maybe have a vir- virtual assistant who can knock it around, you know, really quickly. But it's really important that the person listening to this has got to figure out what their weaknesses are and what I encourage people to do. And I love to know your thoughts on this is too many people are keeping their weaknesses in their head. And I would suggest you get an old fashioned notebook and a pen and on one column, one side, it's like, what are my strengths? And on the other side, what are my weaknesses? And I'm a, I'm a big fan of the bullet journal, but I think people have got to get things out of their head. You got to get them on paper because they become real. Well, and I think the, you know, I would add it a step further, Mark, and say strengths and weaknesses, which would be internal. And this is sort of an old school approach, but your internal strengths and weaknesses. So you get them out there on paper and you can look at them, but also the external opportunities and threats to your business. Because then you tie it all together with, wow, my strength is this, and it really aligns with an external opportunity. Oh, my weakness is this, and boy, if I don't fix this somehow by hiring somebody or bring another resource temporarily, then that threat's going to be a threat to my business. Hmm. Where if it's only strengths and weaknesses that are internal, you could miss something. So we're talking internal and external strengths and internal and external weaknesses. Well, I, essentially, okay. yes. The, the, the term they've used before that's you know back quite a few years, but I find it very handy, is a SWOT analysis, yes. S-W-O-T. So... Uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And it's just a good way to think of it in like a four-box grid. You get it all there in one piece of paper and prioritize to where it doesn't have to be 100 items. 
get it to the top five in each of them. And why that's quite a lot to get down on paper, like you said. Yeah, I think one of the problems I, I see people, especially with my clients, is their things to on their things to do list is so long. And I'm like, okay, this is not possible. You need to go through here and you need to start prioritizing. I, I teach people if it enters your head to record it, but at some point you got to say, okay, am I really going to do that? And we all have those things where, you know, I should do this someday. And eventually you're like, you know what, I'm just going to delete my to-do list and if the world falls apart, then I'll take care of it. But more often than not, we all know instinctively what are the critical issues we need to be dealing with. And the answer is never everything. Right. And I think also the distinguishing to build on that mark is distinguished between important and urgent because it's really easy to fall into that urgent, 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 got to be done now, now, now. But it's not really the important stuff. But you could fill your day with a lot of urgent firefighting and not get any of the important stuff done that would drive your business forward. And, and, and keep that in your mind helps you distinguish the two. And you can catch yourself when you're going, I've spent the last four hours doing nothing but put out fires. It's good the fires are out, but I haven't driven the business forward or done the important things that I intended to do. Now, how can we overcome obstacles in our business without working 18, 19, 20 hours a day, seven days a week? Because that is not sustainable. Eventually, you're going to have health problems and other issues coming along with it. So how can we be preventive? I mean, obviously, we don't, we can't see every obstacle coming our way. That That's an impossibility. But what can the listener and I do that can maybe mitigate the chances of us having these obstacles? Or maybe the obstacles, if we take some proactive action now won't be as big when we encounter them. Well, I, I think you're, you're right on the edge there, Mark, of the answer, which is if you get those, your, your weaknesses written down, you get your opportunities written down, your threats written down, then the logical next step for it is, okay, so you, now you know what those are. What's your mitigation plan for those? That doesn't mean it's a comprehensive list of everything. But it also means it's an exercise you can go back to every few weeks and go, are these the same threats? Are these the same weaknesses? Are there new things that have evolved and come about? So you have basically a mitigation plan um, in your hip pocket, in reserve, in case of emergency break glass. You can act upon it and have some idea of what your immediate response would be to that. And I think that does help minimize the work hours and maximize your responsiveness of making sure things stay on track for your business. Now, of course, if you have a team, it would be good to have this mitigation meeting, for lack of a better term, to with your whole team, because you may not see things. They may be able to see something and go, wait a minute, we have to be on alert for this. So probably have some more people in the meeting instead of just a leader doing it all themselves. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and a key to that, Mark, and I'm dealing with it, uh, with a client right now is if you don't agree, if the leader doesn't want to hear ideas that they don't agree with, then you can cut yourself off from that hearing those ideas. I would rather see it. I mean, uh, if you go back to Lincoln as president, established a team of rivals where they didn't all agree with each other, nor did he agree with them. But they all put the ideas on the table and then he was left to make the decisions of what was the right thing to do. 
but he got lots of different input to the point where people didn't agree with each other at all. But he took it and realized that was the key to success, not having a lot of people nodding and going, yes, you're so brilliant, and never and voting them off the island, so to speak, if they didn't agree with him. You know, it's interesting. I'm a big World War II buff, and a lot of people may not realize that Adolf Hitler did the exact opposite. People learn really quickly, if you didn't bring them good news, uh, it's not going to end well with you. And you don't want to be that kind of leader. You want to be a leader that says the good, the bad, and the ugly. I cannot properly run this business unless I know everything. Now, that's not to say they're going to be happy if the the system goes down, the customer didn't get their order, but they can't do anything if they're not aware of it. So to your point, it's really important that you, as a leader, are approachable and your team knows that. If your team is scared, they're going to get yelled at then there are going to be resistance coming to you. So I would encourage the leaders listening to the show to really stop and go, okay, am I approachable? Can my team tell me anything without fear? Because if that ingredient's missing, I think that's a recipe for disaster. You're absolutely right. I've got another client that has turned around an organization by introducing concepts such as respectfully challenging, that it's always safe to go, I hear you, but I want to respectfully challenge that point you just made because I see this perspective. Mm. It doesn't mean that the leader has to agree with you or just completely change their tact, but it at least puts it on the table for, for the folks in the room to go, okay, well, that's a different perspective. Now let's, what do we think about this? I studied leaders for several years now and effective leaders don't talk a lot. What they do is they let everyone in the room, all the team, give their reports, give their opinions. And they'll just sit there like, you're like, are they even paying attention? But they are because what they want to do is they want to gather all the information and then they can make a decision. Like you said a few minutes ago, but I think it's got to start from the top. It can't start from the bottom. It's got to start from the top. A lot of leaders I know, they are really caring about the people on the front lines because nobody knows the customers better than the people on the front lines. And so a lot of people will invite the people who are on the front lines into these meetings. Now, when I was in corporate America, I was fired from it back in 2005. They didn't ask the frontline workers what, what they, what they thought, where their chokeholds, what their obstacles were. They just sat up there in their conference rooms, made the, the declarations for lack of a better word. And they say, this is the way we're going to do it. And we're like, that's not going to work. And of course my manager got, got his orders. You got to make it work. And we're like, it's, a square peg and a round hole. It won't work because they didn't care about the people who are actually going to implement the system. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. And I would take it a step further, agree with everything you just said. And I've seen that, unfortunately, just like I've been fired from a few jobs myself. Um, lost, lost track of how many over the years. But um, that's not necessarily for good reasons. Um, but um, I would take it as I've had someone I thought was a brilliant manager, and he was a brilliant manager. But I would now attribute him to what I use. The term I used in my head was a sunshine manager. 
brilliant leader when everything was going great. Unbelievably incorporating the frontline staff, celebrations of success, praising promotions, um, activities, group activities, all sorts of things. We hit a year that was really, really bad, and he did not know what to do with himself. He didn't leave his office. He didn't make the phone calls. He didn't go out and visit the field and everything else. And at the end of the year, he and the entire leadership team was gone. Wow. It, it was not recoverable because he, his whole style changed when it became a rainy day as opposed to sunshine and everything going great. It had gone great for so many years. He'd lost those skills, unfortunately, or, or wasn't able to tap into them quickly enough. They were still there somewhere. We didn't tap into them, unfortunately. I really appreciate leaders like Tom Brady. He said good seasons and bad seasons. He left the Patriots, went to the Buccaneers, and he's been through thick and thin. But I think he's an effective leader because he knows that as the leader of the team, yeah, the coach is the leader, but when he's on the field, Tom Brady is the leader. And he knows if he's not showing strong leadership, if he gets on a receiver's uh, you know, case about dropping the ball or not catching the ball, well, then the guy's like, well, I'm not going to try as hard. So you could take that analogy and bring it in the business world. You've got to be a cheerleader as a, a leader, because if you're not, well, what kind of people are you going to have beneath you? You got to have a great team and a great team is always going to look to the leader. Mm-hmm. Well, and are you dishing out praise or are you, you know, pounding your fist and saying, do better? Mm. You know, there's always ways to improve, of course. But are you recognizing people for what they're doing right? Are you guiding and coaching them to take it to the next level as opposed to saying this is worthless? And, and the temptation is, especially if you've been successful in business and to the point where you're founding your own business or have something like that is, you know, the answer and you're guiding along somebody that's less along the path to go, why didn't you understand this? As opposed to go, well, did I understand that at that point in my career? Can I help them along a little faster than me learning the hard way. I frequently look at it and go, you know, I've had my hand on the hot stove many, many times. I'd like to keep people on my team from getting burned. I'd like to keep my clients from getting burned the same way I did. Why shouldn't they benefit from my experience and get there faster and healthier than I did? I once heard that a true leader, an effective leader will accept the blame, but share the credit. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, actually I've had challenges before as a consultant with my only objective is to help them achieve their objectives. But you sometimes get people with the mindset of, Oh, well, if we give the consultants too much leeway and let them in the room with the discussions, they might take my credit. Mm. And it's like, I don't want your credit. I just want to help. I'm not getting a trophy out of this. I'm in this because I like to make things better. That's it. You know, would I like a, a sentence or two of a reference at the end of the day that I could use to maybe get some more business someday? Yeah, that'd be nice if I deserve it. But I'm not getting a trophy, and nor am I going to be on the front page of a newspaper going, look at what I did at this client. That's not my job. I want them to get the credit for this. I don't want a bit of it. It's a hard pill to solve for a lot of people. They they want that credit. They want those accolades. They want to be in the newspaper. They want to be on the news. But effective leadership, say, it's a team effort. And a prime example, like I said, Tom Brady, 
If they lose, it's his fault. If they win, we won as a team. And I think people need to take that mindset and realize that if you're the president or the CEO of a company, how effective are you going to be if your whole team leaves? Uh, Lots of luck because you need the team. And we've all had those bosses who were hungry for awards and recognition, and they just stomped all over uh, the coworkers like my, me in my case. And, you know, they turned out to get fired after they fired everybody else because that's a toxic environment, which is a, a conversation for another day. Um, so we talked a lot today on the show, but I want to ask you, is there anything that's on your heart right now that you want to share with the audience before we wrap up? Well, I think, um, the, one of the things that I learned growing up, my, uh, my dad was career U S army and we moved quite, quite frequently. And um, my family was always really good at looking forward versus backward. And it's real tempting as entrepreneurs to go, wow, I made the mistake here. What if I hadn't done that? I would have been better now. But what if I didn't go down that path, but I went down this path. But I would encourage everyone to look forward to uh, the next steps and moving forward and not looking backwards because it's really easy to wallow and get yourself stuck and everybody makes mistakes. It's a more question of what are you doing for the next step? Pick yourself up, go to the next step and move forward. I mean, you can certainly learn from your past and your mistakes, but you can't get someplace. If you're driving the car in reverse, you have to drive forward. Right. And it's one of the reasons I wrote the book that's going to be published here next month. Um, it's an offering of all sorts of different, both family stories as well as lots of business stories and small business stories is those examples and learnings that people can take nuggets and ideas without experiencing themselves to do better in their organizations. So tell us more about how we can find out about you and your upcoming book. Sure. Um, my website is, uh, I've got two, uh, 636 Advisors is my company name uh, based off a of family history story. Uh, is why it's the number 636 advisors. And uh, it has some information both about the organization as well as about the upcoming book titled Don't Be Dumb. And it's a, a leadership playbook. And um, they have some information and people could fill out some uh, information and get more, including the discount code to order the book on Amazon or to have any correspondence. Happy to have a conversation with folks if anything I can do to help them. And it should be up tonight also is, uh, which by the time the, pro- the podcast is broadcast, is um, uh, don'tbedumb.expert after the name of the book uh, that gives some more details about the book. Don't be dumb. <laughs> That's an awesome title. I just love that. You know, here, uh, very subtle to give to your leader. Hey, I, I found this book I thought you might be interested in. <laughs> Go ahead and read it. So, um, or maybe just leave it on their desk and wipe off your fingerprints if you want to be. Well, it, well, it will be a bright orange color, so it'd be hard for them to miss. So. <laughs> Just, just dust, just wipe your fingerprints off. Wipe, wipe the fa- Maybe I should have put a different cover on it so it won't hold fingerprints. Yeah, I didn't go. think about there that. You go. Well, Robert, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It was fun talking to you about leadership and how we can avoid being dumb. And uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Mark. Enjoyed being here.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.